Hey, last week we, we talked a little bit about uh, new beginnings. For most of us that have kids or uh, have kids living in our home, we, we talked about this idea of new beginnings because we were jumping into the beginning of a school year. And so this past Monday morning, for many of us in the area, we started the new school year. And in our home, that was a big deal this week. We have a fifth grader, a third grader, and a first grader. And a little girl living at home who misses her, what she calls her boys, uh, but her brothers, uh, when they went back to school this week. But uh, it was a start of school for us. And so we talked about that last week, this idea of new beginnings. But for some of us, you know, it wasn't even tied to school. It wasn't even tied to the, the new school year. It was just the idea that we were trusting God with our tomorrows. We were trusting God with some new things in our lives. And we have actually heard over the last seven days some incredible stories of some of you really trusting God in new ways, some things that you're really looking for God to do in your life that are some new things, some new beginnings. And so we can't wait to hear those stories. And today we really kind of just take a a next step in that process. We're beginning a brand new four-week sermon series that we're calling Centered. And this Centered series over the next four weeks will really help us to focus on uh, being centered on God and being centered on community and being centered on our purpose and being centered on mission. And so today we're looking at this idea of being centered uh, in God, centered in, in a relationship with Him and really what our lives look like. Because I don't know about you, maybe I'm the only one, but man, the world right now seems to be in this crazy, kind of topsy turvy, just unbalanced, weird place. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just getting older. I don't know. I always heard my parents and my grandparents say things like that when I was younger, and I, I didn't really understand it, didn't really connect to it. Maybe I'm just getting older and don't want to admit it. Uh, but man, I, I just I feel like over the last few months and the last few years that there are some things that have been happening in the world around us that just seem to be what I would just call kind of off kilter, just, just out of balance and really not centered on the person and the truths of Scripture related to Jesus Christ and to a relationship with God. And so as we look at these things over the last few months and years, you know, there's, there's a lot of ways you could respond to those things. You, you could scream and yell at the world. You could kind of shake your fist at the things that are happening and try to figure out why they're not responding to you as you scream and yell. You could, you know, try to be very eloquent in your response, but even sometimes that doesn't gain response. You could be quiet and prayerful and trying to, you know, Lord, help us in this. Lord, come quickly, whatever type of response. But I'm not sure that maybe any of those are the right way. They're just different ways that we have chosen to interact with these things that are happening that are a little off balance, off centered, kind of out of whack type things that are taking place in our world. And so how How are we as people, how are we as individuals, and for those that are followers of Jesus Christ in the room, how are we as Christians supposed to respond? How should we live our lives in relationship to all these things that are taking place? And and I'm not really sure. I don't know that I'm an expert on that, but I want to tell you a little bit of a story. A couple years ago, Corey and I, my wife, we were um, walking through the gym where we were a member at, and and, and I know when you look at me, you don't think like gym membership. Obviously, that's not the first thing you think about. But, um, you know, we were a member of a gym really just so we could get free child care whenever we went. That was really why we did that. We just paid the monthly fee for child care. Uh, that's funnier than you're giving it credit for, but that's okay. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, we were walking through that gym, and we saw this sign that had the class schedule. You know, they had these different classes, and you've seen these. And, you know, you probably, like me, walk by and, like, point and laugh or, you know, internally, thank God you don't look like that in workout clothes. And so we would just walk by these classes, and we saw that there was a beginning or a beginner's yoga class. 
And what I learned is that I do look like that in workout clothes because I walked into this beginner's yoga class. You know, Corey and I decided we were going to take that together. It said beginners. You didn't have to know all the moves, which was good for me because I don't know any of the moves. You didn't really have to know what to do. And so they just said they would give all the instruction that you need. And so we walked into this yoga class and I quickly discovered that I am not very flexible. Not only did I discover that, I also discovered that I am not really built for yoga. But we walked in, and the instructor there was a very nice lady, and it was really just about flexibility. It was just about muscular development. It was just about, you know, proper breathing techniques and all these different things. And so, you know, we're sitting there. It's not some kind of uh, thing that was really weird. It was just, hey, here's what we're going to do, and here's what I want you to do. And so everybody started out the beginning of the class, and she told us just to sit there and just kind of reflect. I didn't know what we were supposed to reflect on, so I just sat quietly and then she said, I just want you to breathe and breathe deeply. And I, and I did. I almost hyperventilated. I was breathing so deeply there. And so I was trying to breathe on purpose. And I was, you know, kind of listening to what she was saying and kind of talking. You know, she was talking out loud and giving us instruction. But before we did any move, before we, you know, got flexible in any way and we did any kind of upward, downward dog thing or I mean, any of that, we're just breathing. And I thought, man, this is boring. This is, this is I cannot believe I've walked into this breathing class like, I'm not having a child, I'm not pregnant, I don't know what we're doing here, but I'm just sitting on a wooden floor, which is kind of painful, and I'm just breathing. And she just began to talk about how in our lives, the stress and all the different things that we're feeling, sometimes it's just good for us just to breathe, just breathe, it, breathe some of that stress out. And I'm like, okay, so I didn't feel any less stressed. I, I got to be honest, I didn't feel any less stress, but I just breathe out, and then I breathed in, and then I breathed out, and then I breathed in. And something happened over the course of that where I just kind of just kept breathing and I didn't really need her instruction anymore. And I got to be honest, the lady knew what she was talking about. I just kind of relaxed. And in a few minutes, we started doing some very painful maneuvers that I did not feel like belonged in a beginner's class. But for those first few minutes, I just kind of relaxed. I just, I did just breathe a little bit. I just kind of tuned out the distractions, and I started thinking about, you know, the things that I have to be thankful for. For me, it was almost kind of a, a really spiritual experience. I just I almost kind of was in conversation with God. For me, I, I don't know what everybody else in the room was experiencing, but I was just kind of thinking, you know, God, thank you for breath. Th thank you that I have life. Thank you that you allow my body to respond this way on command. And so, God, thank you for that. And, and, and I, just, I just rested in that. And sh then she said this, she said, you know, as you're breathing in and you're breathing out, just recenter yourself. Well, I had no idea what that meant. But here's what I've learned about recentering. Being centered according to some uh, yoga websites and even therapy websites say this. Being centered means having a reference point, a place to come back to when life and emotions and stress push you off balance. Being centered means having a reference point, a place to come back to when life and emotions and stress push you off balance. And here's the thing. I, to me, that's not yoga. To me, that's not even really therapy. To me, that's not anything other than a really amazing truth about what I've found in my relationship with God. Because when I read that, I really think about this idea of that point of reference. That it's not even about breathing in and out. It's not even really about, you know, the stress kind of melting away. It's when the rubber meets the road, when, when stress really does get on top of you, when life is crazy, when your calendar is managing you rather than you managing your calendar, what's that point of reference for you? What do you point back to? Where do you find peace and solace in your life? I know for a lot of us, it's probably our home, maybe. Maybe it's just a, we just come home. It's just a place of peace for us, hopefully. 
We, we, we come in. Maybe for some of us, it's, it's just walking through the nature, walking through the woods. There's a, there's a place that we go because it helps us to kind of reconnect with nature and the creator and the creation of all things there. And whatever that looks like for you, maybe that's the place. Maybe it's, maybe it's reading a book. And that helps you just to kind of refocus. It helps you to kind of maybe even in, in some respects kind of get away from your own situation and look at some other things. Maybe, maybe it's television. Maybe it's movies. Maybe it's silence. Maybe it's journaling. You have some mechanism by which you find peace. You recenter yourself. Maybe it is yoga. Maybe it's some type of exercise. Maybe it, whatever it is for you, it's a sport. It's a hobby. But there's something that you use. It's, it's the means of having a point of reference. It's the means of re-engaging, reconnecting to that place where you find less stress and less emotion and really the, the troubles of life to kind of push away for a moment. And, and I think that this is not something that you should feel awkward about. If, if you say, yeah, I've got that thing and it's this thing. It's, this is how I do it. This is what I turn to. This is that point of reference for me. Because all of humanity, from the very beginning of the time that we started walking the earth, have been in this searching process. And what I mean by that is we've always, as, as human beings, as, as men and women, boys and girls, from the first creation all the way through, we've all been searching for something. And I want to read you a few quotes here. These are things that I ran across in my studies. But Southern novelist Walker, Walker Percy said, uh, in his novel, The Moviegoer from 1961, he said this, The search is what anyone would undertake if he were not sunk in the everydayness of his own life. To become aware of the possibility of the search is to be on to something. Not to be on to something is to be in despair. That really connects with this quote from Henry David Thoreau when he said, Most men live lives of quiet desperation. St. Augustine said in the Confessions, Thou, O Lord, hast made us for thyself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. The great theologian Bono said from the band U2, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Right? There's, there's a search. And whether you want to admit it or not, whether you want to call it that or not, there is a lifelong process of trying to connect that place in our heart, that place in our soul that is most easily or, or most perfectly filled by God and by the presence of God and by relationship with God. Maybe you don't call it a search. Maybe you call it your journey. Whatever you choose to call it, we're all in that pursuit. We're all in search of something. We're all in a journey toward something. And sometimes we know exactly what that looks like, and other times we don't. But we all have a journey. You shouldn't feel bad for your journey. You shouldn't feel great about your journey. It's just your journey. They're all unique. Your searching process is unique to you. And so I know sometimes, man, we hear these incredible stories like, this is my journey. This is what I did. And God took me here and there. And then I went and did this. And maybe it wasn't even God. My youth pastor used to tell a story when I was in youth group in a church. He used to talk about like this terribly sinful life that he lived. I mean, he almost glamorized it. It was really bad. But he just talked about this sinful life that he lived. And man, he woke up this one day like in a ditch. And he was just completely, you know, strung out on drugs and all that. And it was like in that moment that God... God grabbed his heart and grabbed his life. And, and man, you hear that story and you go, well, that's, that's not my story. Like, I've never been in a ditch, like on purpose. I mean, I've never done anything that I really regretted to that level. I've never, God didn't have to like pull me out of some sinful lifestyle or some addictive behavior. Or maybe he did. Or maybe, you know, I've just been in this pursuit of purpose and meaning in my life. Whatever it is for you, I believe all of us are on that pursuit 
of something. And so today I wanted us to hear from somebody in our congregation, and I'm going to ask Kevin Gardner to come here. Kevin is a part of our congregation. You're going to hear a little bit about his story in the next couple minutes. But Kevin is a guy who, um, he grew up in our church. And I don't just mean the last three and a half years of this campus, but the larger Mount Perrin North Ministries, uh, the other campus that we have, which is in Marietta. He grew up as a part of that church. So Kevin, thanks for being willing to share your story. Um, And why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself so that the folks that don't know you in the room can kind of learn who you are a little bit. Um, Well, uh, I mean, I grew up in, of course, a Christian home. I mean, uh, my parents um, basically helped me and my two brothers, I have one older, one younger brother, um, engage in the church at a young age. I mean, I've been going to Mount Perrin North uh, ever since the third grade. That's about 16 years now. And um, I mean, basically growing up, I mean, I, of course, I attended the Sunday service, um, Sunday school and everything, and like learned like the typical Bible stories and everything, felt boards. I'm not sure if that was a part of your felt childhood. Felt boards. That was awesome. So, <laughs> um, but I mean... Uh, I engaged like in more than just the Wednesday and the Sundays. Uh, I mean, they had like choirs. I mean, me and my brothers, we get up and we'd, we'd be singing and participate with that because I mean, they have like a couple different um, different presentations or more or less just performances over the year. Um, and then I mean, we just searched for like the VBS, and that was like church was one of my bigger social outlets because I was homeschooled um, basically all the way up until high school. So um, that was uh, where I engaged the most with um, individuals and, and be able to create my friendships. And um, so, I mean, I really enjoyed uh, going to church and um, being able to, uh, I mean, kind of going through like middle school to high school, um, I was able to kind of experience like more fun things. I mean, like as you kind of get older, you can do different things like with the different camps. I mean, there's paintball, there's, I don't know, like uh, capture the flag. I mean, there's just different things like little retreats. So you have bonfires at people's houses. And these are all these like experiences along the way where you, uh, you gather those friendships and there's those times where you can just kind of, of course, have fun, but also encounter God along the way, too. So, I mean, because, I mean, I'm learning and just kind of about, like, what, what it is to, to be a Christian, to what it is to have a relationship with God. And, I mean, kind of going to high school to college is when I kind of really started seeking what that actually meant. And, um, I mean, there's a, there's a few defining moments um, through, through high school and college. Um, that, uh, that I'll touch on in a minute, but uh, it's just kind of continually being engaged in church and just like the more than just the Sunday and Wednesdays really what helped me develop. Yeah, so you grew up in church, you were around church, you were part of children's ministry and youth ministry and all these different things, and so those were kind of helpful in your development, and they were mm-hmm. also just a part of the context with which you engaged God. You kind of just engaged God through the different ministries of the church, but mm-hmm. what about as you kind of get out on your own? I mean, you're, you're out of high school, and you're coming into uh, college at, at a couple po- a few years ago, and you're mm-hmm. kind of going into adulthood. Like, how did that transition happen when, like, mom and dad aren't making you go to church anymore, or they can't really speak to that, and you've got to kind of choose those next steps? What does that look like for you? How, how did that transition happen for you? Um, I mean, for me, I, because, uh, I mean, once I could actually choose whether I go to church or not, because, um, I mean, mainly I rode with my brother because he was, like, the initial driver, but once I actually started driving, because, I mean, I already created the habit of attending church. So, I mean, that was already in place there. Um, but, I mean, just the, the, the friendships and the relationships that I um, built over the years. Because, um, I mean, in high school, there was um, one, one of the pastors. I mean, he, I see someone I really looked up to. And um, he was, like, the middle school pastor at the time when I was in high school. He had uh, kind of helped me open up because I used to be really shy. There's no way I'd be up here on stage talking to all of you. Yes. Um, <laughs> So he opened me up, and then, I mean, through that, I was able to kind of create and build more friendships 
going through, um, uh, what do you call it, high school, and there was um, a particular time, because, I mean, I had, like, very little friends, because, I mean, the pastors changed quite a bit at one point um, in high school, but, uh, I mean, God really spoke into my life, because I was searching for what, what is it to be in a relationship with God? How, how, what does that look like for me? I want to have a personal experience with myself, not just hear it from other people in the sure. church. That's good. So um, there was one night in particular that he was praying for me, um, the, uh, Pastor Marcus, and then he, um, he addressed specific things in my life that I had never told him before. And I was just like, because I was searching for something, I was like, God, reveal yourself to me, and that's how he did it. And I was kind of like, in awe, I was like, whoa, this is crazy. <laughs> and um, I mean, from there, um, I mean, I I'd gathered some good friendships because I never really had a best friend growing up. And then, I, of course, I found one in the church. And that really, uh, through college, I mean, that, that really helped because everyone basically in my class, they went off somewhere else. So I was like basically left alone. And I was like, well, <laughs> um, so I mean, that's, that's a little bit of kind of my transition with... Uh, what do you call it, kind of into college and kind yeah. of being on my own. So how, how would you describe your relationship with God today, and, and how did you kind of get to that place? Um, well, I mean, there's one particular, um, there, was a, there was a specific uh, conference that I went to, Christian conference out in Kansas City. There was about 23,000 people who attended there um, for that. It was like uh, at the end of the year, and there was um, people who did prophecies, and I had never had any prophecies spoken over me prior. And I, uh, I just went there not, with no expectations, but there was like maybe about three and a half minutes that they had spoke over me, and I was blown away that like the specifics and kind of the identity that God gave me, because I was able to record that, and I still listened to it, and it just really gave me the direction I was looking for at that time. Hmm. And that was, this was back in 2012. Um, so... From there, I really just kind of like dug more into what the meaning of that prophecy was, the different um, verses. I mean, because I mean, there's one specific verse that was spoken over me, which was like that I am quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And which I mean, that has been kind of like how I've lived my life and just like the way my personality is. But I mean, just kind of like a day-to-day life for me was uh, I just, I read scripture, listen to different sermons on either YouTube, podcasts, or some sort of I'm always listening to something that helps me grow um, spiritually, mentally, and just um, in, in every aspect. And uh, I mean, there's different times when maybe I like try to recenter, refocus by like by fasting. I just kind of take a specific, I want to accomplish a specific um, purpose by fasting, either to refocus in school or something else. There's maybe different stresses and pressures in my life to where I can just kind of really dive in. And just kind of, uh, what I love about Kevin's story, and, and it may not be the same journey you're on, it may not be the same kind of searching that you're involved in, but I love the story that he, he tells of just being, you know, I was in church. Like, I was a good kid. My family's a good people. I mean, it's not like we were dirty, rotten sinners, but there came a point where you had to personalize your relationship with God. Like, you, you had these encounters with God. You had these moments where God was clearly speaking to you, but ultimately it was still something that you pursued in, in reading God's word and fasting and engaging in other spiritual disciplines and spiritual practices to really grow your relationship with God. And so I really appreciate you sharing your story today. Can we give Kevin a hand today for just sharing who he was and who he is? And I ran across this quote when I was putting to, to together some of the thoughts we were going to share today, and, and it says, the focus of a believer's faith is not on abstract knowledge, 
but on the person of Christ. The focus of a believer's faith is not on abstract knowledge, but on the person of Christ. And I think for all of us that are either believers already or maybe we're in pursuit of something, we're in a journey towards something, I think all of us need to understand that we are not just trying to learn more things about God. We're not just trying to be in places where we hear great things about who he is or who he was. Those are things that even Kevin referenced, that they were good things in the church. They were good things that he experienced. They were great retreats and ministry times and Sundays and Wednesdays. Those were great things. I'm not, I'm not demonizing any of those things. I think all of those things are formative in our lives. But ultimately, there comes a point when it's the person of Christ that we have to internalize, that we have to believe in, that we have to engage with. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says this, Blessed be the Father, uh, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. As we look at Jesus Christ, we understand that the writer here, Peter, is talking about that each of us can be born again because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He, he went to the cross, which we talked about earlier in the communion moment, and then he was put into a tomb and he was completely dead. And then we believe, according to the, the, the scriptures, that he rose again three days later. And because of his resurrection from the dead, we see that even death is not more powerful than God. So anything that is dead in our lives can be brought back to life. And so we see that we have a living hope. Because of his great mercy, we can be born Again, John chapter 3, this is the chapter that we find, John three sixteen. But in the beginning of this chapter, we see this interaction between Jesus and a man named Nicodemus. And I want us to read a few verses here, beginning in verse 1 of John chapter 3. And this is what it says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So this ruler of the Jews, I'm, I'm talking here for a second, this ruler of the Jews, this, this man who understood the Jewish law, he was kind of high up in the, the Jewish leadership there. He, he's making an acknowledgement that he knows who Jesus is. He's making an acknowledgement that he understands the abstract knowledge. He understands the, the, the nature of who God is and even the things that he sees in Jesus that reflect that nature. But listen to this beginning in verse 3. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Jesus is saying to him, Listen, you know about me, you know about my Father. But I don't think that you know us. And the reason that you don't is because to know us is to be born again. To believe on us is not just to believe that we exist. It's to be centered on us. To be reborn, and Nicodemus says, how can I do that? I'm an old man. How do I, do I re-enter my mother's womb? Is there some way that I can be born again as an old man? And Jesus said, no, 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 listen, you're trying to do it from the flesh perspective. There's something else entirely that I'm talking about here. It's to be born again from the water and from the Spirit. And Romans speaks to this. This is the last scripture that I want us to look at in this portion. But Romans speaks to this in Romans chapter 6. It says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. 
For if we have been united with him in death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. There's a couple things that I want us to hit in this passage before we close today. Jesus is saying, the writer here in Romans is saying, that you and I think sometimes that it's enough just to know about Jesus. You and I think it's enough just to know enough scriptures that when we get into a tight, when we get you know, upset, when we really need a miracle in our lives, it's like, oh yeah, I remember that scripture one time. Or we do that Google prayer thing, maybe you've never done this, where you go to Google and you type in what, is, what scriptures are there that talk about whatever, whatever subject you're looking for. What scriptures talk about taking tests in school, right? And it's like, persevere in your tests and trials and God will be glorified. And you're like, that's what math is. It's a test and it's a trial and I'm going to persevere. And, right? and we, okay, Google, okay, what, what prayers are there uh, in the scriptures when, when I'm grieving? What, what prayers are there in the scriptures when, 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 I'm, when I'm lost? What, what pr- now, that's not sinful because we're actually pointing back to God's word. But it's not just enough to kind of go and find a scripture that you can read in a moment or pray in a moment and think that that's enough for us. What, what I'm calling us to is that we recenter our lives. That any way you slice us, any way you cut into us, you find Jesus. That when stress is at its, like it is at the height of the stress, like it is, we're so stressed out we can't hardly contain ourselves, that what comes out of us is a reflection of what's on the inside of us. Now that's scary for some of us because when we get super stressed, you know what comes out of us? Things we are not proud of. The way that we respond emotionally to our stress, the way that we respond even physically to our stress actually speaks to the core of who we are. And so first and foremost, you can say, hey, okay, I see a fruit in my life. I see this external thing in my life that actually reflects this center that I don't love. There's something inside of me, evidently, that when Scripture talks about that the mouth speaks out of the abundance of the heart, that there's this... Evidently, the words that I'm saying are actually a reflection of some things going on inside of me. And I can, I can fake it for a while, but when the pressure gets intense, when life and emotion gets the worst, the stuff that comes out of me, that, that pressing process brings to earth some things that I'm not proud of. And what Jesus was saying is, listen, if you take your life and you just relegate Jesus to somewhere on the fringe... That's not a life centered in God. If you just say that like God is something I do on Sundays, church is something I do, like it's just this parallel thing like God equals church and I do that on Sunday mornings, that's not a life centered on God. Just like Nicodemus who was a ruler of the Jews who understood the knowledge, the truths about God, he's saying, listen, you, you need to be reborn. You need to experience transformation. Like Kevin, who's sitting up here, who's a good guy. He's always been a good guy. I was one of those youth pastors that came into the ministry after he was already a good guy. I got to see him be a good guy already. But he's saying, listen, even in that, even in just being a good guy and being around the church, there comes a point where I've got to put Jesus in the center of my life. 
It's not enough just to go play paintball with Christian friends. It's not enough just to go to youth group or to come to church. I've got to put Jesus at the center of me. And the way that we do that is that we engage what we call the spiritual practices. This is not a formula so that God loves you more. This is a tool by which you can know God more and put God more in the center of who you are. Reading God's word, praying Making prayer not just something we do when we're in trouble, but something we do as an ongoing conversation with God. Our church exists to help people live Christ-centered lives. If you're holding a worship guide, you see that in a couple of places in there. You've seen it on some of our banners. It's on our website. You see it from time to time in the video if you come early enough prior to service to see that in the countdown as we're leading up to the service starting. You see that we exist to help people live a Christ-centered life. And for us, one of those facets is what we call loving God. A Christ-centered life is four things. It's loving God, it's making friends, it's serving others, it's sharing the story. But loving God is about understanding that God loves you and responding to that love. And so understanding that God loves us is something that we do corporately. We try every time we gather to sing songs that declare the love of God towards us, to declare the goodness of God towards us to share that God loved us first, to read scriptures about that, to engage in worship moments about that, to declare that from God's word. But what we're saying is that God loves you. So how do you respond to that? Do you respond in a conditional way that says, well, when it's convenient, I'll love you in return. When it's convenient, I'll pray. When it's convenient, I'll read something out of God's word. When it's convenient, I'll go to church. When it's convenient. Or do you say, no, no, no. I want my life to be centered in God. Any way you slice me open, any way you try to, any setting that you find me in, on the job and in the schools and in my neighborhood and in relationships and conversations, everywhere in this community, when I'm traveling and when I'm at home and when I'm in my car and when I'm at church and when I'm leading a life group or when I'm serving or when I'm giving, everything points to Christ at the center. Because I understand that he loves me. And I want to reflect that love. I want to acknowledge that love. That's why we exist as a church. It's why we exist. To help more and more people live Christ-centered lives. And, And that process looks a lot of different ways for a lot of different people. It starts with people that don't know Jesus at all responding to the love of God towards them as the savior of their life, helping them engage in the love of God and respond to him in that way. And for those of us that have been walking with the Lord a while to understand that it's not something you just do one time and leave alone, but that it's a journey together. It's that searching process that we talked about. I want you to throw that definition that was up there, guys. I think it was like the second slide that my yoga instructor talked about, about being centered. And I want you to look at this, not in the context of yoga, which is just some crazy story. I know some of you don't even like yoga. You don't even believe in it. I wasn't there for any kind of spiritual reasons. It was really trying to improve my flexibility, and I still can't move very flexibly. But here's what I want you to look at. If, if you looked at that, this in the context of Christ, if you looked at this in the context of your relationship with God, being centered means having a reference point, a place to come back to when life and emotions and stress push you off balance. 
Where do you go when you're off balanced? What is the point of reference in your life? If you point to the center, what do you find there? Do you find thoughts of being a self-made man or a self-made woman? Do you just try harder, work harder to get out of it? Or do you immediately turn your attention to God? If not, then today the opportunity exists for you to center your life in Christ. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment as we conclude. I know for a lot of us, the things that keep us from making a decision for Jesus Christ, from praying prayers to acknowledge our need for him as Savior, even beyond that, to really be centered in him might be pride, being afraid to admit that we need him, that we need anything really, admitting that we need something beyond ourselves. Maybe it's sin. Maybe there's something in your life, a sin issue, a sin lifestyle, a habit of sin. Maybe it's an addiction of some kind. You say, I can't really be centered on him because I'm constantly pointing back to this thing. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's an old relationship. Maybe it's a poisoned relationship. Today, I want to give those of you the opportunity who have never responded to the love of God, or maybe you have, but you know you've walked away from him in ways where your life doesn't reflect who he is. I want to give you the opportunity to say, yeah, I need Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I want to acknowledge that, that I need that. I am a sinner in need of a Savior And I readily admit that. Romans chapter 3 tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. So all of us in this room at some point or another have identified in the same way that you are identifying yourself today. And if you would say to me, Jeremy, I know that I'm a sinner. I may have even prayed a prayer somewhere in my past, but I know that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And I want to acknowledge that Jesus Christ can be, I want him to be the Lord of my life. Would you just lift your hand? You can put it right back down. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? You can put it right back down. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. You can put it right back down. And now for those of us that didn't raise our hands there, we just say, hey, I I need to recenter my life. I have a relationship with God, but I got to admit, it's not in the center, the core of who I am. I've kind of pushed him to the fringes. I've, I've pushed him outside. And if you see me on Sunday, you know that I'm a Christian. But if you see me on Monday, you don't know that. If you see me when the stress is the worst, you don't know that because he's not at the core of who I am. I've pushed him towards the fringes and I want to re-center my life today. I want to acknowledge it and then I'm going to do the work. I'm going to invest in the relationship. I'm going to read God's word. I'm going to do more praying. I'm going to fast even like Kevin talked about. I'm going to spend time just soaking up the love of God in tangible ways and I want to re-center my life on God. Would you lift your hand? You can put it right back down. Lots of hands this morning. Here's what I want you to do. No matter what you lifted your hand for, I want to ask you to stand right where you're at. If you're comfortable doing that, just stand right where you're at. I don't want to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I just want you to stand right where you're at. If you lifted your hand for any reason today, don't be afraid. Just stand right where you're at. I know there are others of you that just, you don't feel comfortable with that. That's okay. And here's what I'm going to ask us to do. As you stand there, I want you just to pray whatever it is that you're asking God to do in your life. If it's forgiveness, I want you to ask God to forgive you. If it's that recentering thing, I want you to ask God to help you to recenter your life. And then if you're sitting in your seats and 
somebody's close by you and you just want to maybe reach over and lay a hand on their shoulder, you want to stand up and walk to where they're at, I encourage you to do that so that they feel that community, the church, the body surrounding them. As we pray together today, I encourage you if you feel comfortable to do that. Let's pray together today. God, I thank you so much for all the people in this room that lifted their hands. I thank you for the people that are standing now and those that lifted their hands but aren't comfortable to stand. That's okay. God, it's about their heart responding to you more than anything else. And so today, God, I pray that you would help those who lifted their hand to say, I need God to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. God, we pray that you would forgive them of their sins today and respond to them as you promise us that you would. God, today, let them experience the, the joy and the victory that comes from making that decision. God, we celebrate that. We love that. It's something that we love to celebrate here. And God, today, I pray for those that are standing and those that lifted their hands that say, I need to recenter my life you. I need to not push you to the fringes, but I need you to be the core of who I am. And so I'm willing to invest in this relationship. You've already invested, God, in us. You sent your son, Jesus Christ. You forgave our sins. You engaged us and loved us. And, and God, we respond to that now. And so we promise to read, our, read your word, God, to just know more about you and to internalize that word and to meditate on that word. God, we want to pray, not just when we're in trouble, but as an ongoing conversation with you. We want to fast to declare that we are sacrificing other things to prioritize you. We want to find other ways to meditate on your goodness and your love towards us. God, we want to recenter ourselves. We want to make sure that the very core of our being reflects you and your nature and your relationship with us. God, we thank you for that. We thank you for every person that made a decision for you today in any way. And God, we ask you to continue that journey in their lives as they continue that journey toward you. In Jesus' name we pray.